0: Hello. Welcome in Wednesday. How we doing? Good to have you along today here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you getting cranked up here on this uh, hump day Wednesday. Parker, how you doing? How's everything? Well, Steely, I'm going to be candid with you.
1: Thus far on my Wednesday, the negatives outweigh the positives. Really? Tell us
0: about the negatives.
1: No, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. The positive, the singular positive, is that Doug from Norman paid up on his Baker Mayfield bet, or the rather the Baker Mayfield bet that he made with me back in, what would have that have been last July, maybe? He insisted that Sam Darnold was going to start for the Panthers. I said it was going to be Baker Mayfield. Doug said, let's put an Athlon College Football magazine on it. And the bet was made. Baker Mayfield started week one. Doug from Norman is nothing if not a man of his word. And he dropped the Athlon College Football Magazine by the office.
0: Doesn't surprise me that uh, Doug is a a man who pays his debts.
1: Now, the negatives. I paid $400 for car repair this morning. Now The Buffalo's in trouble? No, it's not in trouble. It was proactive. Oh, I took it in and had some stuff done proactively because I know after dealing with what I went through a year ago with my old car steely, you'd rather be out in front of car trouble than behind it. Now. Also a negative, I'm getting old. And here's how I know I'm getting old. It was 10 minutes to airtime. I was outside the studio, just kind of chilling in the office, and I'm absentmindedly stretching. And I tore my labrum in my throwing shoulder Really? when I was a senior in high school. My left shoulder, I'm left-handed. so
0: Tommy John surgery. No,
1: nah, d- d- Tommy John is UCL. I actually tore that too. Okay. You don't have to get Tommy John, though. You can let nature run its course and eventually as long as it's not completely torn it'll heal itself but i tell you man i'm stretching and i don't know what i did but something popped in my shoulder and I'm like oh boy i feel i feel like a senior in high school again and that's not a good thing so i'm starting to get random aches and pains
0: just wait just you wait well i hope it gets better i hope it gets better old pitching injury
1: yeah, well, that's exactly what it was. Started with the UCL and then I actually tore my labrum on a check swing, if you can believe that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Somebody must have fooled you with a changeup up or something. I tell you I was
1: going up against this kid from Minnesota who was probably throwing the ball 90 91 miles an hour and you know, high fastballs are the hardest pitch to lay off. If you're a pitcher, you love throwing high fastballs. If you're a hitter, gosh, you can't stand them because they look like they're coming in in the sweet spot, and then, boom, they're at your neck. And so I checked up because I realized the pitch was going to be high, and my bat stopped, my shoulder did not. So, yes, that is the <laughs> that is the story of the, the anecdote of the day from my athletic career. Call up Shaq. Maybe
0: he can get you some Icy Hot. We'll get you taken care of.
1: Is he still doing those commercials, uh, I Icy Hot?
0: I'm not sure that he is. Man, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We've got the golf regional going on. The Sooners currently in good shape. They are in uh, third place. Alabama is leading the way at 24 under par. Texas Tech at 20 under par. The Sooners in third at 18 under. North Florida and Colorado are both at 17 under par. You want to worry about Duke at number six at 13 under par. And uh, Duke has uh, like eight holes left, I believe. Uh, But again, you want to be in the top five, the top five advanced to the NCAA championship at Greyhawk and the Sooners right now are in third. Remember, Texas Tech was the number one seed. Uh, So again, the Sooners, all they're trying to do, you know, get out of this regional, get out of this regional and get to Greyhawk. Uh, also, we've got a new commitment for the Sooners. Lane Jenkins, junior college defensive end, Butler Community, Butler County Community College in Kansas, six six two fifty five. Tell us about the Sooners' new commits.
1: Yeah, this is a kid that somewhat flew under the radar. The Sooners were up at Butler. It was Brandon Hall, I believe, that was up at Butler, not necessarily to check out Lane, Lane Jenkins, but just. Making the rounds in the state of Kansas, I believe the main purpose of his trip up there was to touch base with Michael Boganowski up in Junction City. But uh, Brandon Hall goes by Butler. This kid catches his eye. Oklahoma starts to express some interest. Miguel Chavis gets in touch with the kid. He takes an official visit, and he commits. Now, Oklahoma was far from the only P5 program that had interest In Lane Jenkins, the Sooners were really, really good, Steely, about keeping their pursuit of Jenkins quiet because it's kind of a diamond in the rough situation. Not a lot of folks have seen Jenkins' film. Not a lot of folks knew that he was the commodity that he is. Caught me by
0: surprise. I'm like, what?
1: Yeah. Now, he had offers from Illinois, Iowa State, Indiana, several others. KU. Georgia was starting to get involved. Really? And so,
0: Georgia gets involved and you, you're you doing
1: something right. Exactly. So there's a reason you didn't hear about this kid until yesterday, and it's because it was 100% by design. Oklahoma didn't want people knowing about Lane Jenkins till he was locked in with them.
0: Yeah, and what? He got the offer and like two hours later committed? I mean, yeah. it was quick, right? Well, and here's the thing. That's the kind of approach
1: you can take on the JUCO circuit these days because – Lord knows, you offer a high school kid, you can't keep a dude under wraps in the no, public eye no for chance. long. It's just because and it's part of the nature of my industry, Steely. There are so many people all across the country going out to high schools, to games, to practices, to showcases, and seeing these athletes and getting them exposure. But junior college, especially in the age of the transfer portal, Junior college has kind of become the lost niche of the college football world. And so a kid like Lane Jenkins could and did fly under the radar and present an opportunity for Oklahoma to swoop in and snap him up before the heavy hitters became aware of his presence.
0: Well, that's uh, it looks good for Oklahoma. Again, you trust the coaching staff and their evaluations. If Georgia was starting to get interested, that tells you they're probably uh, looking at this in a, in a very uh, good way because uh, if Georgia tends to have some really good athletes on both sides of the football. Especially on defense. On though. the defensive line, especially, I think, yeah.
1: I think we're getting to the point in time where the ultimate stamp of approval for a defensive football player is the Georgia offer. In the past, it's been, well, anybody who's got the Alabama offer, that's how you know they're a stud.
0: Clemson, when Brent was there, was pretty big too, obviously. Same
1: deal. But with the back-to-back national champions now residing in Athens, Georgia, and with the fabric of their championship program the last couple of years being primarily woven with threads from the defensive side of the football, yes, any – player, any prospect, any transfer that Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs take interest in adding to the fold on defense, that's generally how you know, okay, this kid can play.
0: Talking about Lane Jenkins, the junior college defensive end from Butler County Community College in Kansas, 6'6", 255, latest commitment to the Sooners in the 2024 class. So we'll talk more about that. A lot of Sooner football to get to, Sooner softball, of course, Bedlam baseball is coming up. Uh, Tomorrow night, we had the Nuggets win, but Austin Reeves played great for the Lakers. The Lakers had cut that lead. They were down by as many as 21. They cut it to three late in the game a couple times. LeBron, why'd you take that three with 51 seconds? Come on. Get that ball to Austin Reeves. He's like Jimmy Chitwood. He'll make it. Run the picket fence for Hillbilly Kobe. And he'll come through for you. But uh, the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic was great, particularly the first three quarters of the game. He was unbelievable. We'll hear from Austin Reeves a little bit later on. We've got the PGA Championship happening at Oak Hill beginning tomorrow. we got a lot of things happening today. And, of course, we want your texts as well. You guys always do an unbelievable job. 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. As always, we want to tip the cap to Tim Lasher. Great Sooner, great company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. You need the uh, A.C. tune-up done. They'll get it done for you. Uh, It's going to get hotter and hotter. Summer in Oklahoma can be uh, brutal. You need your A.C. ready to go and be able to go to the distance because if it uh, breaks down on you midsummer, that's not a good situation. Get it taken care of now. Last year, home comfort systems, 405-579-3113. So draft lottery, the Spurs get Wimby. Did they not get Tim Duncan back in the day? Did they not get David Robinson back in the day? Look, I mean, the Spurs' odds were really good that they had a shot. It's not like they came out of nowhere in this deal. But when you saw how it was coming down, first of all, you know, there was a chance he was going to go to Charlotte, obviously. It came down to Charlotte and San Antonio. And he just said, This is going to happen for the Spurs. It's going to happen for the Spurs. And it happened again for the Spurs. But so. again,
1: anybody could have done what the Spurs did That's this past true. season. There were some Thunder comments. fans. Yeah. Hope
0: you enjoyed your playing game. Well, you know, I, uh, of course, when they met head to head, Victor Womanyama dominated Chet. Not like Chet played horribly, but. Victor Wimanyama is again. He's unbelievable. So um, I don't know. I I respect what the Spurs did under Pop and every day with Tony Parker and Manu and Ginobili and uh, well, same guy and uh, Tim Duncan Boris Diaw. All those guys, you know, they're... Boris Diaw just sliding Boris Diaw well, there on the end. He and Tony, Tony Parker, Parker, Tim Duncan, Manu Tony Ginobili, Parker, Boris Diaz. Fr- Frenchman Boris Diaw, Frenchman. That's why I threw Boris in there. Boris the Frenchman, Diao. And now they've got the best Frenchman of all time. And Victor Wimbanyama coming their way. And, of course, uh, some great battles with the Spurs back in the day. Of course, Kawhi was there and had success before he and Pop went sideways. But uh, Victor Wimbanyama, man, San Antonio fans, they were fired up. You saw that uh, video from the bar scene. You know, you had the fake one that circulated for a long time when some of those events happened. That was real last night. And uh, they were very fired up, as they should be. All right, so we're going to bring Brandon Rabar on again today one more time to talk about what Oklahoma City can do at 12, how they can move up, what are Oklahoma City's possibilities. The Thunder, we were thinking, well, it's 12 for Oklahoma City unless something changes. Nothing changed for OKC last night. They will pick 12 June 22nd in the NBA draft. All right, so a lot of things happening today. We'll keep you up to date on the golf regional when we get back. We're going to talk about where the Sooner football team sits in some of these preseason top 25 polls. We'll hear some audio from Joel Cladd, who thinks the Sooners are going to have a bounce back year. All that's coming up next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref. All right, great having you with us. We're going to the text line here in a minute, 405-651-3439. Mike Steele. Parker Thune with you here in the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios tomorrow at Cavens Construction or Cavens Group. Sorry, Gary. Cavens Group and Friday out at Riverwind Casino. Can't wait, as Bart Scott said, to get out to those uh, true great uh, locations. Cavens Group and uh, Riverwind coming up again Thursday and Friday. All right, the Sooners uh, moving up. They're now tied for second with Texas Tech. Alabama leading the Norman Regional 24-under par. Texas Tech and Oklahoma tied for second at 20-under. Colorado fourth at 18-under. North Florida at 17-under par. Those are your top five that would advance to the NCAA championship coming up at Greyhawk. Okay, a uh, lot of publications, you know, they come out early for college football for twenty twenty three, and uh, we'll see what uh, Parker got the. Uh, did you get the Athlons? Is that yes, what you got from Doug? Yes, Doug brought the Athlon. All right, and we'll uh, we'll see what their summation of the Sooners is here in a minute. But uh, Joe Klatt the other day on his show was uh, talking about Oklahoma. He has the Sooners nineteenth in his preseason
2: rankings. Oklahoma is going to be at 19, and I thought about moving them up a little bit higher because I like a lot of the pieces that Oklahoma has. Oklahoma went 0-5 in one-score games last year, okay? So basically the exact opposite of TCU. Now they're bringing their quarterback back in Dylan Gabriel, They got way better in the transfer portal, by the way, in particular on the defensive side. You've got Deshaun McCullough, uh, Jacob Lacey, Andrell Anthony, the wide receiver from Michigan, Reggie Pearson. They were fourth in the country in high school recruiting, including five-star safety, including, by the way, four, what is it, three players in the top 16 in the country? Oh, you could have a big splash season. If there was a team in the top in, top 10 that I would say, like, if I had to bet they wouldn't be in the top 10 at the end of the year, it'd be Florida State. If there was a team 10 to 20 that I would put an asterisk and I would say if you had to bet at, at a team entering the top 10 by the end of the year, who would it be? I would say Oklahoma. The fact that they lost those one-score games, I believe that they're going to be a riser. I think they can get back to double digits, and I think that they're a, a pretty good team. I like what Brent Venables is doing.
0: There you go. Joel Klatt, he's back on the Sooners' side, it sounds like. Last year, I was calling him Joel Splatt because he didn't like OU after Nebraska game. made fun of us quite a bit. Joel Klato with the Sooners at 19. All right, so Doug sent you the uh, the new Athlons, brand new, and? And do you want to hear some of the analysis
1: yes, on
3: Oklahoma?
0: absolutely. First off,
1: uh, it's clear that this magazine was published a while back before the spring portal cycle mm-hmm. because it does not have any mention of Brennan Thompson Uh, It does not have any mention of the Jordan Tyson situation. In fact, Jordan Tyson is still listed on Colorado's roster. It, uh, It has Jaden Davis listed as a starter at cornerback. So needless to say, it's a little bit, probably a month outdated. But here is a quote from an anonymous Big 12 assistant coach that was published in Athlon Sports Magazine. Regarding OU. You ready for this? Yep. And I am directly quoting. Probably the best way to explain last season is that they've got a head coach who hasn't made all the hard decisions yet. They're caught between eras, what they were and also what was slipping with Lincoln and what they want to be heading into the SEC next year. I'm not sure Brent understood the landscape of recruiting for OU coming from Clemson for so long and being able to win on guys easier. Norman, you have to work there. It's not easy. With Gabriel coming back, they're going to be one year better on offense, but they're the least talented on defense that they've been in years. We're curious what Brent changes up on his schemes to account for, his de- for, to account for their deficiencies, excuse me. You can't run some of that Clemson stuff with what they've got in the front seven. You could tell in warmups it wasn't the same OU defense, and that's crazy because of how OU looked getting off the bus.
0: Yeah, but, you know, Oklahoma's not like they were setting the world on fire defensively. Uh, You know, they had some players here and there, clearly, and, you know, the last defense, even though they they got a little bit better at the end of the year, but the last year for that defense when you had – All those guys on the D-line, Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas, you had DTY, uh, they had some players and they didn't quite perform up to par. They had their moments, but um, not a bad summation right there. What do you think? And again, how much do they know about what happened in the portal? Do they know that, you know, DeSan McCullough is on the way and uh, already here and Rondell Bothroyd and... Trace Ford and Reggie Pearson, all those guys, because reinforcements are on the way, and they're going to be better. I don't know how much better, but I do think they're they're definitely going to be better, and they have a chance to be significantly better. You kind of heard some shades of mule
1: shoe in the comment that you can recruit easier at Clemson than you can at Oklahoma, right? A little bit, yeah. Like, Norman, you got you got to work to get players to Norman,
0: Oklahoma.
1: You know what gets players to Norman, Oklahoma, Steely? Winning
0: Yes, absolutely. And I kinda disagree with that take. Look, it was it was great at Clemson, obviously. They were getting a lot of guys, particularly on the defensive side of the football, they were getting a higher caliber athlete, especially on the defensive line, than OU was. But it's not like Oklahoma doesn't recruit well. Now, were they recruiting at a Clemson level on that in that, you know, side of the football? No. But uh, you know, DJ turned out to be a bust, obviously a quarterback for Clemson. And, and Brent and that staff, they did a great job recruiting. But, again, to, to act like Oklahoma, oh, you just got to beg people to get to Norman. Uh, no. They, you know, part of the reason was they didn't concentrate enough, I don't think, on uh, the defensive side of the ball under Mule shoe. and especially how were they going to get those defensive linemen, right? Uh, they weren't in most cases. Uh, That was going to be the uh, situation, I think, for OU. So, I don't know. I I guess the only part that really sticks out to me that I don't agree with is that, like, there's some huge disparity between recruiting to Clemson and then recruiting to Norman.
1: By the way, Athlon's preseason first-team All-Big 12 ballot. Want to guess how many Sooners made the cut? (sighs)
0: One, actually two. Danny Stutzman. Danny Stutzman is one. Who do you think the other one is? Uh, let's see. Who is the other one? It's not Dylan Gabriel. It's not Dylan Gabriel. Um, offensive player. Defensive player. Another defensive. Who am I? Uh, who am I not thinking of that should be? Uh, Billy Bowman. Not Billy Bowman. Surprise. Billy Bowman was third
1: team. What in Athlon's preseason ballot? Which I was like, uh, listen, I. I was looking through those ballots, and for the most part, my overall reaction was, okay, you know, I I could disagree with that, but I can also see where they're coming from. Woody? Maybe. Not Woody Washington. How about Ethan Downs? Really?
0: Uh-oh. Ethan Downs.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ethan Downs haters on the text line are about to come out in full force. But no, Athlon had Ethan Downs. As a first-team All-Big 12
0: player. I bet that assistant coach was an Aggie, too. You probably didn't know what he's talking about. From the 469,
1: take a guess. Who was that quote from? Gundy?
0: It was an assistant coach, wasn't it? Or did it just say Yeah, it's an assistant coach. Assistant coach. coach. Yeah, who knows? But, look, um, I think they're going to be better on defense. Um, The offense is going to be a year better in that system. The only thing that concerns me a little bit is do they – They don't have a Marvin Mims at wide receiver. No. Somebody's got to emerge and be a real playmaker there. Maybe it will be Jalil Farouk. Maybe it'll be Nick Anderson if he ever gets healthy. And maybe it's – we know that Drake Stoops is going to be super solid and reliable, but, you know, who's going to emerge and be, you know, close to Marvin Mims? And, And Marvin was a little inconsistent last year by his standards. But who is going to be that guy? And, of course, you are also replacing your starting two tackles as well. But I still think they'll be good enough on the offensive line.
1: On the text line, did Mr. Anonymous source forget that BV recruited some studs to Oklahoma before? Pretty sure he knows the deal. Ohio Sooner says, I've been to Clemson. That campus is way further away from anything than Oklahoma is. We're at least in a major metropolitan area and close to North Texas, which doesn't need an explanation. Stephen the Bahamas says, "Steelman, you are the best. Would love to have a cold beer with you."
0: Well, why didn't you hit me up when we were in the Bahamas last summer, Steven? We should have we should have gotten together, man. Next time we head to Atlantis, we'll uh, we'll let you know. All right, but we were we're over there last summer. So, by the way, in the uh, I know that one of the other ratings that came out a while back, Mark Schlabach uh, had his uh, top twenty-five post-spring top twenty-five. Um, and the Sooners were not in that top 25. He had Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Florida State 3, SC4, Ohio State 5, Texas at 10, TCU was 16, K-State 18, Texas Tech was at number 20. So if you go by that, I guess he thinks the Sooners are going to face uh, place fifth in the Big 12. So we'll see. I
1: think the 15 to 20
0: range, which is where you're seeing
1: Oklahoma in many of these early preseason projections – is fair because I think we've, we've all kind of acknowledged, Steely, that you can't raise the expectations through the roof after a 6-7 and seven season, but also that looking at that schedule, it's reasonable to figure that Oklahoma will win 9 or 10 games. And if you win 9 or 10 games, that's where you fall nationally. Mm-hmm. You're 15 to 20. That's about the range that you sit in.
0: They're going to win 10 games this year. They're going to win 10 games this year and be better and start getting some momentum back in the program, again, at least nationally. I think here people can still see kind of what's going on uh, and still have a belief in Brent and that coaching staff and see how they're recruiting and all that stuff. But they're going to get – Uh, get back on track, I think. I'm not saying they're going to be in the playoff, but I do think they're going to win 10 games this year. They should with that schedule. All right, break time, 405-651-3439. Our Joel Klatt clip was our OrthoCentral clip of the day. OrthoCentral clinics in Norman and Midwest City for a long, long time now, doing a great job now that Tri-City location, serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. Their full-service clinics do a great job treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. Shout out to Ortho Central. Coming right back here on the ref. Yes, close your eyes and think about the best entertainment casino venue in the metro area. What do you see? Riverwind Casino is what you see. Over 2,800 electronic games, all the best electronic games. All your favorite table games, including a big-time poker room, off-track betting in there as well. Best games, best bars and dining, uh, world-class hotel. They've got amazing service, great people over there. Uh, New member seven program is big time. Earn up to $450 in one day getting your Riverwind wild card. If you don't have one already, it's not going to cost you anything, and you're going to be able to win a lot of the cash and bonus play and hear your name called and some of these prize drawings if you have a Riverwind wild card. And again, the new member seven is big time. Earn up to $450 in one day. We've got concerts coming. Beats and Bites kicks off May 27th. We're 10 days out. 38 Special in Blue Oyster Cult. Shows are coming back to the Showplace Theater starting in June with Earth, Wind, and Fire. June 23rd, we've got uh, all kinds of stuff happening at the one and only Riverwind Casino. Can't wait to be out there to see Justin and the crew out at Riverwind again on Friday when we do the show there live. Okay. Uh, Somebody had put on the text line when I first came in, and I think they were referencing the fact that uh, Jada Coleman was not in the uh, three finalists for National Softball Player of the Year. It was uh, Valerie Cagle of Clemson, Maya Brady from UCLA, Tom Brady's niece, and uh, Skylar Wallace from Florida, uh, the final trio. And that's why I think on the text line I said, you guys should create your own award. And that was for the Plank Show. But we should create our own award too. The K-Ref National Softball Player of the Year? No, I think we should do something that we're really good at awarding people for. Uh, How about the Lincoln M. Riley Shyster of the Year Award? Shyster is a nice word to throw out there. It's older, but if you're a shyster, you are fooling people, right? Taking advantage of them. No, no, no. How do you spell shyster? Is that with a C-H? Let me find what's shyster. Yes. Oh, it's just oh, right. just like shy and S-T-E-R. All right. A person who uses unscrupulous, scrupulous, fraudulent, or deceptive methods, mainly in business. Sure sounds like mule shoe. It does. The Lincoln M. Riley Shyster of the Year Award. Or we could go with the Twitter Shyster of the Year. So who's the front-runner for that award, then?
1: Uh, is this award limited to the Oklahoma landscape, or is this a national award?
0: Well, we could do a regional winner. Okay. You know, Twitter shyster of the year. <laughs> who's, who's, you want to nominate anybody there? I got a few I'd like I to nominate. I saw your tweet last night. You want to nominate anybody?
1: I got a few I'd like to nominate, regardless.
0: Yes, you guys uh, can text us and nominate the uh, Twitter shyster of the year or the Lincoln M. Riley shyster at a year okay there you go a person who uses unscrupulous fraudulent or deceptive methods in business or life we don't have any shysters in the ref army though they're all top notch all right uh 405 651 (laughs) that'd be a great ceremony who would host that and now the, the the 2023 Lincoln M. Riley Shyster of the Year ceremony. Where would you have that? It's
1: a, it would have to like the host would have to be somebody with an ungodly level of don't give a crap.
0: But I'm saying we need to know who where we're going to have this award given out every year, and what's the trophy going to look like. Hey, listen. I feel like,
1: especially given the overall tenor of the award and its namesake, we have to hold the ceremony in Mule Shoe, Texas.
0: <laughs> Hooters. <laughs> Mike White's everybody like everybody
1: has said Mike White for Shy
0: Steel. You, you think he'd come from Austin to accept the award? Hmm. <laughs> hey, Steelia, I've got an ex wife. <laughs> I'd like to nominate. That's so good. Yeah, just send us her name and we'll we'll put her on the ballot. So, I don't know if anybody would walk on stage and accept that award though is the problem. Shannon Newcastle says the trophy
1: is a hairpiece with a snake wrapped around it.
0: <laughs> Gunny of Stutsman Army is volunteering to host. Yeah, that'd be that'd be something. The national shyster of the year and the local Twitter shyster of the year.
1: The local one we can have Gunny host. Okay. Wherever he's at in Oklahoma. Atoka or whatever. We could definitely
0: but, there would be a uh there'd be a weed shop that could sponsor that if Gunny's hosting. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Gunny can
1: host the show while, whilst under the influence. Patrick has a nominee. There we go, Patrick. You're on the right track there. Um but the national awards ceremony should definitely take place
0: in mule shoe okay i like that we'll call the chamber of commerce see if we can get that set up do you guys have a dance hall or something where we can give out the lincoln m riley shyster of the year award what do you think goes on in mule what do you think the social activity is like just probably out there? a dairy queen there there's maybe de- oh there's definitely a dairy queen yeah.
1: what night is bingo night
0: <sighs> probably a thursday at the uh VFW or at the town dance hall, something like that. John ja Morant, yeah. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer.
1: By the way, Gunny did clarify. <laughs> I'm in Porter, the peach capital of Oklahoma. I
0: thought that was Stratford. Stratford's what I've always heard. Steely, I have two ex wives who have dual nomination. Still practicing law at seventy. Thanks, girls. Wow. Wow. Well, what, we good give news you is. this Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs>
1: <laughs> give it to Jimbo I'd like to nominate Trace Armstrong
0: oh. what were we supposed to be talking about this segment because I this was not it <laughs> I, I just thought somebody said you guys should start your own award so I thought if we're going to do it it's not going to be like a, it's going to be one of those kind of awards and I, somebody needs to design the National Shyster of the Year uh, trophy or award It would be great
1: i'll tell you i i should keep this low key but i'm gonna go ahead and publicly give him credit uh, i'm sure somebody that would have the requisite skills to fashion the trophy would be johnny and yukon because uh he's currently and has been for some time he is in the process of making me a custom set of cornhole boards as a wedding gift now this is gonna be a surprise for my fiance, but she's never listened to the show anyway. Sorry. Steely's laughing about something. Like Clark Stroud again. Is Clark Stroud that funny to you?
0: I don't know. It just popped up all of a sudden I totally forgot.
1: The very the very mention of Clark Stroud's name is enough to send Steely into a I don't delirious know. I just, laughing. I pictured
0: him walking up with that stupid beard and everything to accept the award. But anyway. Okay, go ahead. Johnny in Yukon is making custom
1: cornhole boards as a wedding gift for me and my fiance. Ah, that's she's awesome. She's never once listened to the show, so this isn't going to spoil the surprise. I'm also pretty sure she's on a plane right now somewhere over Kansas with the US Air Force. So, <laughs> Maybe I'm Johnny in Yukon can sorry. be. Maybe really Johnny sorry. and
0: Yukon can make the trophy. You doing okay, Steely? I don't know. I just had that picture of Clark Stroud walking up some stairs to get on stage to accept the National (laughs) Shies Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm losing my mind. Uh,
1: This reminds reminds me of the scene in Aladdin where the parrot, played by Gilbert Gottfried, is going,
0: Ah, boy. (laughs) He's cracked. (laughs) He's gone nuts. Uh, Kim Mulkey would definitely be in the running. Yes, that's a Lifetime Achievement Award winner right there. No doubt. All right, we're gonna break 405 OAB. Take note right now. If you're at the OAB, Steelman and Thune right now, award winning. They are, we're trying to build a, a, a community here and bring more money into the local economy. In fact, screw Mule shoe. We'll keep Mule shoe doesn't deserve sooner dollars. We'll do it somewhere here locally to hand out the award. You can be the EMC. okay, all right. all right we'll be right back what is with it i don't know all right welcome back 405-651-3439 check on the golf regional right now have you composed yourself fully not fully not fully Uh, Alabama, now 25 under par leading the way. Tied for second, Colorado, moving on up. Tied for second with Texas Tech at 21 under. The Sooners are at 20 under par in fourth place, North Florida in fifth at 18 under. Headed down the stretch, the top five advance to the NCAA Golf Championship out in Scottsdale. Duke is currently sixth, so they would be out, obviously, the top five go to Nationals. And Oklahoma right now is three shots clear of Duke, but there is work to be done. You know, we were uh, I think I can pull this up right here, Parker. It won't be the best audio, but it'll work. Um, you got to have, you know, when you announce the the winner, you know, the winner of the 2000, 2023 shyster of the year is Lincoln Riley. Then they've got to get up and walk to the, to the stage and you have the music, you know, playing in the background. And hang on. Man, he's actively scrubbing. That's the music. That's the walk-up music. You know, the applause and you have that in the background as they walk to the stage, that would be awesome. Really good. Steely, are those gummies kicking in, LOL. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I, you know, that doesn't happen to me very often, but I get tickled is what happened. Too much caffeine this morning? Maybe. I don't know. Parker's looking at me. It was continuing through the break, and he's still looking like, dude, really? We're like a minute and a half deep in the break, and he's still losing <laughs> his mind over there. Doubled over. Face red. Oh, eyes man. watering. Hey, let's get into some serious journalism. Uh, did you watch any of the uh, Lakers' nugs last night? Nuggets win 132-126. Uh, we I- know that Nikola Jokic is just unbelievable. I'm making a
1: point not to watch the NBA unless absolutely necessary, and I did not find it absolutely necessary last night. What
0: are you, one of those guys from a small, rural Oklahoma town? Are you going to complain about the NBA if we talk about it? No, it it has nothing to do with politics. I just don't enjoy watching the NBA.
1: I like college basketball far more than I I do the NBA. I get you.
0: I get you. I get it. Um, By the way, can we pull up the uh, Austin Reeves Game 1 reacts? Because he played... Really great, particularly in that fourth quarter when uh, the Lakers cut it to three twice, and I would have much rather seen Austin Reeves take it, that three with 50 seconds left, rather than LeBron. LeBron is not a three-point marksman, but Austin Reeves played very well. Jokic, the Joker, was incredible. 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists, three blocks. This guy, again, uh, you know, before this season, had won back-to-back MVP awards and, uh, you know, I still think he's underrated in a certain uh, aspect by a lot of people. But Anthony Davis even had 40 points and 10 rebounds. Now, he get was overmatched and uh, schooled by uh, the Joker on the defensive end a few times. And I think Anthony Davis is a pretty good defensive player. LeBron had 26 and 12, nine assists. But, again, um, shouldn't have taken that three, but about 50 seconds left. Austin Reeves, 23 points, eight assists, seven of 14 from the field, five of nine from three-point range. Here is uh, Austin Reeves' reaction to game one. The Nuggets built a 21-point lead. The Lakers cut it to three twice. Austin Reeves a big part of that, but they didn't, obviously they didn't get the dub in game one. Here's Austin
3: Reeves. Never want to lose. Uh, first half was really ugly, to say the least. Um, but like you said, we you know, got it
1: going in the second half, and... Really just played harder uh, was the common denominator at the end of everything. Was We went out and competed in the second half. We gave ourselves a chance. Like I said, never want to lose, but uh, this, is, this is a serious for a reason.
0: There you go. Austin Reeves has been a remarkable restricted free agent, and once again, he is going to be making a lot of money. We'll see if the Lakers pony up what's going to happen, but that guy has had uh, tremendous success beyond, uh, I think, everybody's dreams in the NBA so far. All right, uh, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Patrick says, why does every OU player in football and basketball
1: suddenly get great when they leave? Who else beyond Austin Reeves are you referring to? Because we had the conversation yesterday.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Who are you, Patrick? Give us some examples. Well, I think he's talking about Jalen Hurts was really good at OU, but nobody envisioned him being this great of a quarterback in the NFL. He's in the conversation for best quarterback in the league. Well, and how
1: much better did you want Jalen Hurts to be realistically at Oklahoma? He was – any any other year in the history of college football, Mm. he probably wins the Heisman Trophy that year. Yeah, But it just so happened that it coincided with the greatest individual season we've ever seen at the quarterback position from Joe Burrow. Yeah, no doubt.
0: All right, 405-651-34-39. So the award ceremony will be like the haters ball back on the old Chappelle show.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Patrick also said, Austin Reeves is the only guy in California with no tan. He brought up Brady Manick. Brady Manick had that nice year yeah, in North Carolina.
0: that's interesting. Brady Manick definitely, uh, once he got to Carolina, man, he he was a big part of their championship run. Trey Norwood with the Steelers is one. Yeah, it's a good call. Five
1: Star Randy says the Shyster Award must look like a weasel or a rat. Okay. I think yeah. we already decided it's a snake wrapped around a hairpiece. But we'll find a way to work in some weasel and or rat imagery.
0: Is Mules going to have like a... Tube with like jet black hair down the road, something like that. <laughs> oh, looking like Elvis. Maybe just rolls out. The stri- <laughs> Who's got the worst tube of all time that we know of? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Somebody can help us out on that, I'm sure. But uh,
1: uh, I, I, I have an answer. I can't say it though. <laughs> Uh, Seth in Piedmont says, Hello, Parker and Steely. I was wondering with OU's assumed 10-plus win season and USC's given loss or two to Cam Rising, is it safe to say there's a chance for an OU-USC
0: New Year's Six Bowl game? <sighs> Maybe. I don't know. Could you handle it now? Because the potential defeat would be just crushing. Absolutely crushing. Winfrey dominated. Uh Okay, we'll get back to that next hour. We got to get out of here. But Cherokee Sooner, well done, by the way, on Twitter. Thank you very much. He's got a picture of a Clark Stroud with the weasel, of the Shyster of the Year award. I won't retweet it, but it's pretty darn good. Cherokee Sooner, well done. Okay, I think there are other better candidates than him, but I think he should be nominated. Thanks, Lasher Home Comfort System, for a first hour. We got another hour to go. Keep it here on the Ref. I I don't feel like a man today, though.
1: Steely, you can be whatever you want. It's 2023. More more
0: like a juvenile kid today with that uh, laughing spree. We're going to get back to serious journalism here. Welcome to the 2023 National Shyster Awards brought to you by Saul Goodman, attorney at law and by Los Poyos Hermanos chicken restaurants and by insert your company here. We'll attract tens of people. To the ballroom, wherever we have this ceremony, and you can be part of the pe- festivities for a very small financial price. Okay, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I am seeing great now because Dr. Bellardo, ladies and gentlemen, has done wonders again. Eagle Vision, long time ago, about a little over 20 years ago. They told me a little bit down the road I might have to have an adjustment. It started to go just a bit, but we're right back going to see Doctor Bellardo. Still, unbelievable the job they have done. So if you want to eliminate reading glasses like me, or if you're over forty, like me, I'm I, forty was a long, long time ago. But if you're either farsighted or you're nearsighted and like, where are my glasses? You know, small print, whatever. Maybe you have the old man text coming through, the gigantic block letters, you know. All you have to do is call Dr. Billardo. I've known him and the guys, the staff up there for years. Totally trust them. Really cool environment. Very relaxing. Super professional. Give them a call. See if you qualify for lens replacement or cataract surgery. From the experts at Advanced Laser and Cataract Center, the number is 405-755-7700. That is 405-755-7700 for your free consultation from Dr. Bellardo, or just go online to ALCOK.com. Like they always say, if you want to see far or you want to see near, you have to come here to the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. 405-755-7700 or online at alc okay.com okay 405-651-3439 johnny from uconn says thanks for the shout out
1: parker i'll look into that trophy lol yes by all means johnny i have i've seen some of the photos that johnny has sent me of the work he's doing as he's progressed with the crafting of the cornhole boards and uh I will be leaving a very positive testimonial. There you I go. I can already tell you that
0: much. That's awesome, Johnny. Thank you for doing that. Uh, is that your wedding gift from Johnny? That is my wedding gift That's from Johnny. Right, and, hey, gift. if you need custom cornhole boards, Johnny is the guy to go to. How about for your wedding gift, i you know, not going on your registry. I want to do something very unique. Oh, you're going off registry. Huh? I will gift you a uh, one of the head tables at the National Shyser of the Year. Ceremonies where you and your wife can sit there with a couple of the shysters. You can't put a price tag on that. <laughs> Hello. All right. Uh, Five eight zero. Hey, Steely, longtime listener, third time. Uh, texter, Texter, yes, Texter. Why do those LIV scumbags still get to play in the PGA Championship? Well, uh, some because you know they've been there, and I don't know how the PGA, the L, the uh, PGA Championship. Uh, goes about their business, but I'm glad they're in there. It's a better field. We've seen what's going on with Taylor Gooch in the U.S. Open, and they're trying to push him aside, which is not cool. Um, I'm not a fan of what's behind Live Golf, but I do like to see the best fields for the majors. So, you know, I don't mind seeing these guys getting out there. But did you see, by the way, like Cameron Smith, great player, Won the Open Championship last year. Uh, Has probably got more majors in her. Horrible mullet, bad mustache, greatest putter in the world. You know, great player. Bought a $36 million yacht with lib money. 36 mil. Now, I don't know what, you know, I'm not in that neighborhood at all. So I have no idea how much 36 mil, will buy yacht-wise, but it was all purchased with lib money. So there you go. Bucket
1: list material. Do the show from a yacht.
0: I feel like my yacht would sink somehow. Would be The SS Minnow was far from a yacht, but if I ever got a yacht, which, believe me, I never will, um, it wouldn't. It would be like on the Yugo size of a, a yacht back in the day. Yugo still out there. Yugo. Those little bitty. What's a, a Mini Cooper sized yacht? The tiny little cars. A Yugo. I don't know if I've ever heard of one of those. They're pretty old. They may still be out there, but they were little little tiny cars. Think, imagine one of the tiniest cars ever. So. Brazilian Sooners asking a recruiting question. Didn't we see a commitment from uh, Danny Okoye, or did we not? No, that was the other Okoye. Ah, uh, which Okoye was that? Emmanuel Emmanuel. Acoye. Okay, and he committed where?
1: He committed to Tennessee earlier
0: today. Ah, that's the one. Okay.
1: 2023 tight end, reclassified tight end, out of England. So, no, that is not Danny Okoye. Speaking
0: but, of reclassified tight ends, with what's going on for the Sooners yeah. and DeVa Mitchell?
1: Nothing's changed there, and no news is good news. But Brazilian Sooner did ask, saw where Danny Okoye is going to visit OU. Is there some interest picking up on his part? Yes, there is interest picking up. Would I still wager that Oklahoma ends up getting a commitment from Danny Okoye? Absolutely not. There's still so much ground to be made up there. And I think when you look at OU's edge board right now and the way that things are trending – With so many of their defensive end targets, not only Will Nguyenary and Nigel Smith, but guys like Wyatt Gilmore and Logan Thomas and even Zena Amozaloo. It just doesn't feel like even if Danny Okoye had an epiphany and wanted in at Oklahoma, like he would be the type of player that you immediately say yes to, at least at this point in the cycle. So... It's certainly noteworthy that he plans on visiting Oklahoma later this week, and that's a thing, but I I don't expect anything to come of it at this point. If it does, it's a pleasant surprise. I'm not counting on it.
0: Any of these Okoye's related to the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye?
1: I don't know. Not to my knowledge. Where was the Nigerian nightmare from? He Where went he to, to school?
0: school, I believe it was Azusa Pacific, believe it or not. Azusa Pacific. Go no ahead and Google it up, see if I'm right. But I think it was Azusa Pacific for the uh, Nigerian nightmare. And he was he was that, no doubt, Christian Okoye. All right, four oh five. Steely, would you name your yacht the Edmund Fitzgerald? Maybe. As a tribute, but I you know, my I might sink as well. Azusa Pacific. You nailed it.
1: (laughs) He arrived in the U.S. at age 21 and did not play football until age 23. Is that not amazing? That's wild. I didn't realize he was 6'1, 260. That's a unit right there. That is a big boy. 6'1, 260. Him and Kelly Gregg are basically the same size.
0: You know what? That And if that guy breaks in the open field, that's when you run into the Nigerian nightmare. Stealing the Yugo was two decades before Parker's time. I know I've got to keep, remember that this kid is only like 15 years old that I'm working with. You know? <laughs> i got to remember.
1: Somebody from the 918 says, you drive a Yugo and get in an accident, you go to the
0: hospital. <laughs> oh, man. All right, 405-651, Christian uh, Okoye was a bad mamma jammer. Yes, absolutely. And it was Barry um, – who was the other big back they had in Kansas City? It was Barry – it wasn't Barry Foster. It was Barry – help me out. It's before my time. No, it's, really- it's I know. It's before your time. But um, they had another big back that was there with Christian Okoye bury something the text line will help us out by the way true sooner yes i know who you're talking about mr Tudball had the worst wig of all time from the carol burnett show yes uh with mrs wiggins the secretary oh the reference lost on the younger co-host again sir barry Barry Word. word yeah word up yes absolutely thank you guys douglas miles coming through first douglas you win you get a, one of the front tables at the uh, National Shyster of the Year uh, banquet that we'll be hosting. You're, soon. you're
1: handing out these premier who wouldn't want to be at the head table, like hotcakes,
0: you know? Yeah, everybody is saying uh, Barry Ward. Thank you guys. Yeah, you know,
1: this is why we have the text line because I they're know. smarter
0: than us. Well there in and my memory is I would still put it at a good solid now, if you go way back, I put it as an at an A, but sometimes again it slips down to a C plus. So that's when we need the text line. So and they're always great. 405-651-3439, the Knipple-Meyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, if you missed the first segment, Lane Jenkins, junior college defensive end out of Butler Community College in Kansas. Six six two fifty five offers from Illinois, Indiana, Iowa State, Kansas, but is committed to Oklahoma, got the offer, and he was like, hey, okay, I'm committing to Oklahoma. Some people may – uh, even some of the hardcore re- recruiting aficionados by surprise – And, uh, the uh, you know, when that came out, some people were like, what? Is that a preferred walk-on? What's the deal? So tell us about Lane Jenkins. It is a full offer and how this came about in a very clandestine way.
1: Yes. The Sooners kept their pursuit of Lane Jenkins quiet because they could, because he's a JUCO kid. And... Uh, The Sooners took a look at Jenkins while out at Butler Community College earlier this year, earlier this spring, excuse me. It hasn't been all that long that they've been after Lane Jenkins, but took a look at the roster, decided they could use another edge rusher. Lane Jenkins is an impressive physical specimen that was catching eyes uh, across the nation at the Power Five level. And Oklahoma managed to get him on campus for an official visit this past weekend, get him committed. And he is now another member of Miguel Chavez's group there at the edge defensive end position, and it figures that they're going to have to finagle a little bit to make all the scholarship numbers work. But it isn't a pro. It isn't. It's not like it isn't the same problem you were going to have if Jordan Tyson had committed to Oklahoma, which was the expectation there for a while. So yes, Oklahoma's over on scholarships right now. They're going to have to process a couple guys in all likelihood to meet the threshold and hit the limit once again. But Lane Jenkins is a guy that they really like and believe has a high ceiling.
0: There you go. Are we talking about a guy that probably is uh, you know, a year, a couple of years down the road, maybe a year down the road that they want to get in with Schmitty and they like what they see, a lot of raw potential? I'd say give it a year. Yeah. yeah. Give it a year. All right, break time right here, 405-651-3439. Knipple-Meyer Chevrolet text line. Appreciate all the texts today. Thanks for the help on Barry Word. Douglas, you were the winner. And, again, get with me on that uh, head table seat for you. And we got Johnny working on the trophy, right, for the Lincoln M. Riley National Shyster of the Year. Allegedly.
1: There you go. It's being
0: taken under consideration. He can do some woodwork we could make it a, a woodwork kind of award something like that this is a great song isn't it skinner so good all right stay with us coming right back here on the ref the home of sooner fans
2: longhorn nation we're back
0: Well, Parker, it's happening. Off-season Texas hype continues. Urban Liar said the other day that Texas may have the best roster, right, in college football. Seriously. Urban
1: must have had a real good time on 6th Street or something.
0: Maybe. Yeah, you got the Urban Meyer clip. Here's what Urban Meyer had to say about the Horns recently.
2: You know, don't sleep on Texas this year. I was talking to Mark Pantoni, and I was talking to the uh, recruiting uh, director at Ohio State and some other uh, man-for-man roster roster against roster. It's hard to say Texas doesn't have the best roster in college football right now.
0: Is he out there with wind chimes on, like, his patio or something? Is that what that is? <laughs> I didn't even – that didn't even register. to gr- the very end, I was like, hold up. what? on me? the patio grabbing somebody's booty again, I bet urban play that again i think he's got wind chimes
2: you yep. know don't sleep on texas this year i was talking to mark pantoni and i was talking to the uh, recruiting uh, director at ohio state and some other uh, man-for-man roster roster against roster it's hard to say texas doesn't have the best roster in college football right now.
1: well at least he's settled down and mm-hmm. is living a more domestic lifestyle these days when well, if- i say that and then you have to wonder what he's on
0: If he's saying Texas has the best roster in the country, look, we do this every summer. Give me your honest evaluation. Not that I want you to give me your lying evaluation. So I don't know why I threw the preamble out there. Give me your evaluation of where OU is and where Texas is as we're one year away from going to the SEC. How do the programs stack up in your mind? They both have deficiencies. They
1: both, if you threw them in the SEC right now, right this second, both programs are not equipped to compete with the best of the best in the SEC. And they could hold their own. Right? It's not as if they'd be in over their heads, necessarily. But especially for Texas, they would not jump into the SEC and instantly be – when, you know, we think back to the history of Texas football recently. They've only won double-digit games once in the last decade. That, I mean, once. that's inexcusable and in so, Texas. And so, when I say that they're not the same team in the SEC that they are in the Big 12, the question becomes, well, in the SEC, are they a bowl team? Mm. Uh, they're a
0: fringe bowl team at best if you throw well, in the Well, apparently they're, they're on their they're way back. They're not totally back, obviously, but a lot of people think they are on their way back. Although uh, the early returns on Arch Manning aren't as uh, glowing as the ones we hear about Jackson Arnold. Is that shocking? No. but Now,
1: I, I think on the Oklahoma end, a lot of the pieces are there when you – consider what it's going to take for the Sooners to contend heavily in the SEC. The pieces are there. Now it's about time and it's about development. Because there is talent on that Oklahoma roster. There are some guys that are going to be studs at the next level. Billy Bowman. Danny Stutzman. P.J. Atabare, obviously. Um, Peyton Bowen has a very bright future ahead of him at the collegiate level and then at the NFL level. But I think it's a matter of allowing the requisite time for that talent to gel and play as a cohesive unit on both sides of the ball, which is why I think if you see incremental growth for Oklahoma this year, if you simply see this team win the games in 2023, that they should have won but lost in 2022. If you see this team make the jump to a 10-win football team, knowing what you have on the come-up on your roster in terms of exceedingly physically gifted young football players, it lends optimism that when you make the transition to the SEC in 2024, you're not going to hit a wall.
0: And Texas will. Texas will hit a wall. Well, and the thing is, again, we have talked about and I think it's pretty easy. Everybody knows it right now because of this transition. This is one of the most important years in Sooner football history. You can't have another. And, look, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if they didn't have a winning record. I think they're going to win 10. I really do. And I think they're going to be better on defense. I think Sooner fans this year are, uh, look, you can't please every Oklahoma football fan. They're certainly spoiled. But I think it's going to be a happy fan base this year for the most part, particularly coming off 6-7. and seven. So you maybe change your uh, – you know, you lower the bar a little bit on this season. But I do think, again, that Oklahoma is going to win 10. And I think they need that kind of a season heading into the SEC. And if they can back up last year's recruiting class with another top five, top seven class, and particularly if they get all these, uh, you know, defensive line prospects they're in on and apparently leading on – then Oklahoma is, uh, is absolutely 100% moving in the right direction. Now, again, you're coming in behind Georgia 1 and Alabama 1A, and you're in the mix if you have a bounce-back season this year with a lot of other teams in the SEC. But at least, you know, you, you just can't come in after another big-time disappointing season. Sark's Vodka on the text line says, <laughs> OU and Texas come in.
1: And take LSU and Tennessee's spots, Georgia, Alabama, OU, and Texas, top four in that order for the next four to seven years. I actually think and hope Texas does really well. That rivalry being at its best helps us a ton. I just can't see that happening with the current alignment of the Texas Athletic Department. Brian Kelly is going to win games at LSU. That Unfortunately, will happen. yeah. He's a yeah. scumbag,
0: too. He's up for national shyster of the year as well. I, by I, way.
1: I think the jury is still out on Josh Heupel because it's only been two years. But I'm one of those that believes in his direction for Tennessee. I think he's going to have a successful program there as well. What it takes to win in the Southeastern Conference is – let me draw a parallel here. Do you remember when Brent Venables was introduced as the head coach at Oklahoma? Oh, yeah. And he talked about how one of the jobs that he had turned down in the past was the Auburn job. Mm Mm-hmm because I forget what exactly the words he used were, but essentially spoke the truth about what we all already knew about Auburn as an athletic department, which was that it was not the most effectively run organization.
0: A lot of shenanigans happened at Auburn.
1: Yes. Now, that is Texas to the nth degree. At Texas, what you're going to have to have in order for that program to take the jump and become a national title contender again, is you're going to have to have a coach that makes no bones about the fact that he is the one in charge. Now, Urban Meyer, I said it last week. I'll rehash this same point. Like it or not, and trust me, I would hate it, but Urban Meyer would win a lot of football games as Texas' head coach. Steve Sarkeesian, to mm-hmm. be quite frank, he's a little too
0: much of a pushover with anybody that's not an Alamo Bowl intern. You need an alpha there to uh, take on those boosters. That's why I thought, you know, the rumors that Saban might go there, and of course he stayed at Alabama. But yeah, Nick Saban wouldn't be the guy that would be pushed around by the boosters. Sark, I don't know. Do we like Sark? I kind of liked Sark last year. I thought his press conferences were pretty good, and then I see, seen him go absolutely. Ape, you know what? On that production assistant in the uh, in the tunnel, I was like, dude, something wrong with his medulla oblongata. I mean, that was scary. What do y'all say for OU and Bryant Wesco still, from the four hundred five? Still, still like Oklahoma there. That hasn't changed. That's not um, going to be an Anthony Evans. This year's Anthony Evans.
1: No, I don't feel as though it will.
0: Um, from the nine one eight, replace LSU on what planet?
1: Texas has been a bottom half of the league team for the better part of a decade. And this is why the national narrative right now surrounding Texas makes zero sense, Steely. They're losing B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who are the two guys that really made that offensive machine turn last year for the Longhorns. You lose those guys, and, and, eight-win program a year ago, you're going to sit here in sincerity and tell me they have the best roster in college football? Absolutely freaking not.
0: We'll see they play uh, Bama in that night game at Tuscaloosa this year, right? So uh, it's going to be very interesting. I'm
1: going to go out on a limb and prognosticate that this year's game between Texas and Alabama – is not remotely as close as last year's game between Texas and Alabama. The
0: Mighty Quinn played well when before he got injured in last year's uh, Texas-Bama game. He did. The Mighty Quinn had a, I'll give him props for a that. nice game, but then again. Uh, that injury must have messed with his medulla
1: oblongata. I guess so. Because, at least
0: he cut that ridiculous hair. Yeah, outside of
1: carving up a patchwork Oklahoma defense last year at the Red River Showdown, didn't have a whole lot to show for it the rest of the year.
0: Malik Murphy going to be in the portal uh, at some point next year. Yeah, he will be. Yeah, I agree. All right, break time, 405-651-3439. We're going to get to as many texts as we can. I don't know. Who's the bigger shyster right now, Muleshoe or Brian Kelly? Because Brian Kelly tried to do that whole Southern accent thing. And, you know, same agent, Trace Armstrong, two of the big villains in the history of college football. I don't know. It might be Brian Kelly, and that's hard to say, but it might be. Stay with us. Coming right back, we got Brandon Rabar to evaluate the Thunder and what happened in the drafts. We'll do that next year on The Ref. All right. Brandon Rabar is going to join us for a few minutes again. We talked to Brandon yesterday previewing uh, What's going on, again, uh, with the Thunder in the draft? Victor Wimbenyama. Wimbeny is headed to San Antonio. There's no doubt about that. The Thunder, no movement. 12th pick in the draft unless they move up. So, let's get our uh, Thunder insider, Brandon Ward joining us here on the Riverwind Casino Hotline to tell us what he thought about last night. San Antonio did it again. Brandon, I mean... And not like they didn't have good odds to, uh, to be there. But, again, you, you've got to finally be that last placard left, and they were. And, um, but let's talk about the Thunder at 12. What do you think about possibilities? Who would Brandon Rabar, who are your top three prospects at 12 for Oklahoma City if the Thunder stays there?
3: Yeah. My number one guy is Leonard Miller. He played with the G League at night. He's uh, about 6'11". Great rebounder, uh, one of the best rebounders in this class. Uh, you know, rebounding was a weakness for the Thunder going up against these big teams last year. If you inject Chet and Leonard Miller into this lineup, into the front court, that dramatically improves. He shot 33% from the three-point line, but that was the NBA three-point line, not the college one. Uh, nonstop motor, really like him. I like Kobe Bufkin from Michigan. He's kind of a do-it-all guard, combo guard. 6'5", uh, a uh, elite at finishing at the rim, jack of all trades. And if he falls, there, there's some rumors he may fall a little bit. Caseon Wallace from Kentucky. Thunder had a lot of luck with another Kentucky point guard in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and this guy is like a point of attack, one of the best defenders in this class. I really like him as well. So I think all three of those guys, really good options for the Thunder at 12. Maybe Grady Dick if he falls as well from Kansas.
1: Brandon, for those of us listening who don't follow the NBA great deal, and I'm including myself because I I don't keep up with the NBA a whole heck of a lot, and I know there are some listening who don't keep up at all. But for those of us that are less familiar with this draft class, obviously I imagine we've all seen the highlights on social media, what makes Victor Wembanyama so special, his combination of size and skills that is quite literally unprecedented in the history of modern basketball. But as you look at this draft class as a whole, where is the deepest position group? Where's, where are there maybe some more gaps between the very upper echelon and the rest of the field? Overall, what are your thoughts on the strengths and weaknesses of this draft class and how that can play to a front office's advantage and it, most particularly Sam Presti and the Thunder?
3: Yeah, uh, I would say this. I think there's a drop-off after three. Victor Wembanyama, obviously, tier all his own. You know, most buzz about prospects was LeBron James. And then you got Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller in their own little tier. After that, you know, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of analysts like the Thompson Twins. I'm not as high on them. But there's a definite drop-off. As a matter of fact, you know, the Thunder picking at 12, I would say from, you know, 4 or 5 to 12, you know, it's kind of all over the place. Uh, I I think there's a lot of guards in this draft combo guards. So if you're a team that wants guards, the Thunder, you know, don't really need guards. They need more size. They need a power forward. Uh, So I think, you know, Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks, Leonard Miller is kind of the cream of the crop as far as the power forwards go. So maybe the Thunder try to trade up a little bit for one of those guys Uh, or or they get a guy that, that maybe drops to them. But Uh, I do think that this draft, as far as Sam Presti goes, particularly because there's not a lot of difference talent-wise from, say, 5 to 12, it's a good draft for him to possibly use some of those future picks to move up.
0: Yeah. How far uh, do you think it's possible for Oklahoma City to move up, and who would be some interesting uh, trade partners?
3: I I think – The Wizards at number eight are a realistic option uh, because they don't really have any assets. If they want to make any moves, they're going to need some future picks. The Thunder could give them that. And, hey, they just dropped four spots. Uh, But the Thunder could possibly get a Jarris Walker from Houston. Beefy dude, one of the best defenders in this draft. He would be great next to Chet Holmgren. Uh, Taylor Hendricks from Central Florida, 6'9", bouncy, great shooter, great shot blocker. He also would be a great fit next to Chet. If the Thunder move up, I think it's for one of those two guys, Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks, also the Utah Jazz at number nine, also a really possible trade partner as well.
1: Now, we talked about it yesterday, Brandon, but we'll rehash for people that are just tuning in that didn't catch yesterday's program. But as far as where the Thunder sit in terms of their salary cap, their free agency needs heading into the off season, give us the 30,000-foot view of what that end of things looks like for Oklahoma City, because obviously yeah. there's a ton of eyes focused on the draft and what Oklahoma City's going to get uh, later on this week when the draft rolls around. But other than that, what, is, what do you feel like this team needs? What are they realistically going to pursue on the free agency market that is within their spending power?
3: So the Thunder have about $31 million in cap space, which is a lot. Uh, I don't expect them to make any big moves because their biggest move is adding Chet Holmgren to this lineup. You know, this, you know, obviously Wimit he was incredibly hyped, unlike any other. But people forget Chet Holmgren has been hyped for several years as well. This is a blue chip talent and he's playing the center position. He, they want him to be their defensive anchor. I'm saying all that to say I think they want to see what they have in Chet first and what they have in this new draft pick that they're going to take first before they decide You know, if they need another wing, if they need some more defense, if they need shooting. If I'm the Thunder, I kind of sit back with that $31 million, uh, see what the Thunder look like with Chet Hongren and this rookie and the rest of those classes they develop. And then at the trade deadline this year, maybe then you make a move and you still have plenty of cap space to absorb a guy. Uh, So the Thunder have a lot of options, though. With all these draft picks uh, and this much money, they could do a lot of different things this summer. And Sam Presti never rests. I mean, he's going to make moves. All
0: right, Brandon, before we let you go, the PTs came out last night on Twitter, the Pro Tankers. And, uh, you know, you you saw, yeah, this is what you get when you don't take it. You try and win games. Uh, There are so many different factors that go into that. Number one, your fan base gets tired of that. They also, uh, again, you want to try and keep these guys, particularly that you went around for a long time, happy and trying to win and see what you have. I think if they didn't have Chet Holmgren in the fold – then they probably would have gone completely 100% in again. But that's not the way it broke down. So what do you say to the the PTers, again, the pro tankers? How do you answer what they were saying last night about, well, this is how you draft 12th. You you decide that you're going to try and win and get one little playoff game, and that's it, and this is the end result.
3: Yeah, this is what I would say. I, I think you hit the nail on the head with Chet Hungren. They have a guy in Chet who would be the number two pick in this year's draft, behind Women and Yana. maybe Scoot, but I think Chet would probably go ahead of Scoot. Uh, the biggest thing, though, is Shagil just Alexander made first-team All-NBA this year as a 24-year-old. What that bodes for the future is huge. Uh, Jalen Williams, J-Dub, was number two in Rookie of the Year. He was the runner-up in Rookie of the Year. Uh, Josh Giddey made a big leap. So this team developed and progressed. And the other thing I would say, the top four teams were the bottom five teams. There was not a lot of movement. So for the Thunder to get Wimbanyana or Scoot Henderson, they would have had to finish in the bottom five uh, of the records. As a matter of fact, the top two uh, were two of the three worst teams in the NBA. So when you take all that into account, the Thunder were going to be a bottom five team this team. No matter how, you, you have too much talent between SGA, j Giddy, Dort, even if they tried to lose games, they're too talented to finish bottom three, so they weren't going to end up with Wimbledon Yotta anyways, the way that the, uh, the ping pong balls bounce. So I think that this year was a great year for the Thunder. They developed, they got better, they're going to get a top 12 pick, and they get Tret Holmgren.
0: All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. Brandon, we appreciate it. I was thinking yesterday, I'm like, man, I need Brandon to break this down, too. So, But, of course, Brandon <laughs> said yes. So, Brandon, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. June 22nd will uh, be draft night. We'll have you on uh, before then to preview what's going on and all the, uh, the rumors and uh, stories that are out there concerning Oklahoma City, who they worked out, all of that stuff. All right, so we'll do that later on. Thanks.
3: Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one.
0: Brandon Robard joining us, uh, Thunder Insider. All right, the Sooners are going to make it out of their regional. Alabama finished at 28-under par, second place, Oklahoma 25-under. Tied for third between Colorado and Texas Tech, both at 22-under. The Red Raiders are finished. Colorado has a chance to actually uh, be outright third if they can birdie one of the final holes. Uh, they're on 17 and 18. Duke is currently in fifth. We may have a playoff between Duke and New- North Florida, at 21 under par, headed down the stretch for that fifth spot. But the Sooners are in. By the way, the Cowboys have some work to get done. Oklahoma State, of course, is out in the uh, Las Vegas regional, and the Cowboys were currently in seventh. They are in a lightning delay. They've been in that for a while out in um, in Las Vegas, and Oklahoma State, again, right now is four shots out of fifth. So, Cowboys, obviously, arguably the greatest golf program in, uh, in college golf history. Uh, again, going to have some work to uh, get done today to make the NCAA tournament feel. But the Sooners are good. They're going to Greyhawk. All right, stay with us. Get to as many texts as we can. Coming up next, locked in, coming up at 2 o'clock right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref. All right, tomorrow we'll be out at uh, Cavens Group. Looking forward to seeing Duke, Wonder Dog, Gary, Amanda, whole crew over there. Friday at Riverwind Casino. Can't wait to be there as well. Don't forget, coming up a week from this Saturday, May 27th is the first Beats and Bites show, outdoor concert series at Riverwind. May 27th, 38th special and Blue Oyster Cult. Hold on loosely. Meets Godzilla and Don't Fear the Reaper. Same stage, same night, Beats and Bites 2023, presented by Coop Aleworks. Later in June, the Gin Blossoms and Tonic on June 10th, July 8th. Three artists on the stage, July 8th, Mark Chestnut, Shannon Doa, and Tracy Bird. Big-time fireworks show also that evening out at Beats and Bites 2023. August 26th, Gary Allen. And uh, tickets for Beats and Bites are all just 10 bucks. Get them online right now at Riverwind.com. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. All right, the Sooners looking good. They're going to be in, going to Greyhawk uh, starting May 26th in the NCAA Golf Championships out in Scottsdale. Um, the Cowboys work to be done, and again, they're in the Las Vegas regional right now. They're four shots out of fifth, so that would be very surprising if an Oklahoma State golf team doesn't get to the tournament, but we'll see. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. Let's go to the Meyer Chevrolet text line.
1: From the 405, Parker, you said earlier that Oklahoma is over on scholarships and will likely have to, quote-unquote, process some guys out. Can you explain what that means? Can they pull scholarships from guys already on? Or is that more like convincing guys it's time to jump in the portal? Yeah, that's basically what it amounts to. Having an honest conversation with a player and saying, look, for both of our sakes, I think you should look for another place to play ball because we don't have you in the plans and you can stay if you want to, but essentially we're planning on recruiting over you. and." You've seen this happen with close to two dozen players over the last six months at Oklahoma. Venables and his staff are cutting dead weight. And I look, I, I make it a point not to throw around names when it comes to talking about potential portal entrants, but it's not difficult to look through this roster and identify a short list of players that the Oklahoma staff would probably be close to having that conversation with. So you bring in a guy like Lane Jenkins, it comes at the expense of somebody else's spot. Then it becomes a matter of, okay, who do you feel like you reasonably can move on from and not feel like you're missing out?
0: Yeah, it's, it happens everywhere. And uh, again, Brent's uh, only has one class full of his guys. Well, the guys they brought in the portal, of course, uh, the, a year ago also but he's trying to get his guys in here you know
1: brian and tulsa said the state of texas man if it ain't the longhorns it's the dallas cowboys saying it's their year every freaking year that's true man mm-hmm. everything's bigger in texas and the hype is certainly bigger in texas no doubt about that there is no question about that except i and i'll give him credit i know steely hates him Texas Tech, they just go about their business, man.
0: What is they all the own- uh, hype for Tech about? What do you mean the hype? Well, I'm seeing like uh, people talking about how good they're going to be, and that uh, I think Joey Joey uh, uh, McGuire is a good hire, right? Yeah, he's a great hire. And I'm looking at uh, one New Year's Six bowl game, and they've got Texas Tech and Alabama in the uh, Cotton Bowl. And that's from Kyle Witt. Kyle, thank you for sending that. But, I mean, is Tech really that much on the rise? I think so. Do you really? Now,
1: I think in the new Big 12, it's anybody's game as to who emerges as the new Oklahoma and Texas, the new big brands in the conference. But... I'll be honest, I believe Tech has as good a shot as anybody to be the class of the new Big 12 because they have a coaching staff that is relationship-oriented, excellent at recruiting, and excellent at developing,
0: and they also got a lot of oil money, Steely. That helps. Freaking Lubbock, that place. No, I'm with
1: you. I hate Mm -hmm. it. I'm not a fan of Lubbock. And it pains me to give Texas Tech props, but the way that McGuire and the staff and administration out there is going about building the foundation for the new era of Tech football, they're the the one program in Texas, Steely, that perhaps because of geographical location, perhaps just because of perceived mediocrity and... mediocrity in the plane of reality over the last few decades flies under the radar, but I'm high on the future at Texas tech from a strictly football standpoint.
0: There you go. I I don't dis really, it's not really Lubbock as much as it's just the tech fans. They're human debris. That's what they are. Don't forget to book your tickets for the 2023 National Shyster of the Year Awards in Muleshoe, Texas coming up. Everybody have a great, great day.